What's been interesting over the last couple of years when we, we spent many weeks not meeting together where everybody's watching at home and I think it was 15 months, something like that, that we weren't meeting regularly. And so when you see kids the next time, they have changed. <laughs> they have really grown up. For those of you that see people periodically, like your grandkids, and, and you'll say, wow, they have grown up. And I'm, I'm looking at some of these kids and thinking, what happened? They just got tall. They're growing up. They're going off to college. So much uh, has changed. And it, the reason why it, it surprises us a little bit, we're not living with them every day. For those of us living with the kids every day, you don't see those surprises. But there's a gap in time, and so it, uh, wow, we're, we're surprised. Well, there's a gap in time between Luke chapter 2 and Luke chapter 3. And I want this morning to talk a little bit about the day after Christmas, because everything builds up toward that special day, and we celebrate Christmas Day and the events of that day. But after Jesus was born, of course, the shepherds came and visited him. We, we've a bit romanticized it these days, but it was prop, most likely in a cave around Bethlehem. When the wise men came to visit, it was probably shortly after that, we're not sure exactly the amount of time, probably then in a home of some sort that they were staying in or, or an inn, a place that they had uh, uh, found to be able to stay with him. And then we read about King Herod wanting to find this king, this Messiah, and kill him. So he ordered that all of the boys two years of age and under were going to be slaughtered. And so this, this reminds us of the time with, uh, when Moses was born uh, many years before that. So Jesus, Mary, and Joseph flee to Egypt, and they're there for two years. So when we pick this up again uh, back in Israel, he is, he is probably you know, coming back. It mentions that they're coming back. We don't read anything until he's 12 years old and he's with his parents coming for the festival and he's in uh, the, the temple talking to the scribes and Pharisees. And then after that event, we don't read anything about what's happening in the life of Jesus until he's 30 years of age. So that's another 18 years. So what was going on? <laughs> um, you don't want to make too much out of silence but there is a summary that's given to us, the very last verse of chapter 2. And it says this, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and in favor with all of the people. So what that's saying is that Jesus, during this time, and we think, well, that's obvious, but he is growing up. He is growing up. And, and you wonder, as it mentions this in these four ways, mentally, physically, spiritually, socially, he is developing, he is increasing. Some of the translations say he is increasing and developing. You say, well, what part did Mary and Joseph have in that? Can you imagine being an imperfect parent like we have some here, right? 
Can you, can you imagine being an imperfect parent and having a perfect child? I know sometimes the siblings will call each other that. <laughs> you think you're perfect. But wow, here, here this baby, which to me this year is, is I've contemplated this a bit. It's hard, it's hard to grasp that this little, innocent, tiny baby is God. This is God. How would you feel as a parent bringing them up? But I don't think that Mary and Joseph just set them in a corner and say, you know, you're God. <laughs> I believe this, like any other Jewish parent at that time, they took on responsibility to invest in the life of Jesus. And so we see these four ways are the same ways today we invest in our kids. And they grow, and they develop, and they increase. There are two ways that I think we, we really do, do this. One is by example. And uh, that would be them watching our lives. And I know when you hear that, you think, oh, <laughs> may the Lord help us if they're going to follow my example. But your example is never expected to be one of perfection. Joseph and Mary were not the perfect example to Jesus. You will not be the per perfect example. You cannot be the perfect example. But, so as we say, it's not perfection, it's direction. You're honest, you're open, you're transparent. When you make a mistake as a parent, you confess that. It's hard to apologize to a four-year-old. I realize that. <laughs> but it's, it's just real. And you're on this personal journey of your own growth, and it's the spillover. I call it, and we think about the molding of the life, it, it's unintentional. Uh, and there's others, or incidental. We may say it's incidental. In other words, they just pick up the way you live, the way you talk, the way you act, the way you respond. And so much uh, of our children's lives are shaped by what is incidental in life. But there's also what is intentional. And I believe this because of the, this is a chosen family by God to provide the home for Jesus, that they were like most families, they were very intentional about training him up to value the right things, to learn the right things, to realize what the dangers were. So those two ways Mary and Joseph invested in these early years from birth, and we just read again at 12 years of age and then again at 30 years of age, I believe incidentally the overflow and intentionally they poured into him in these four ways. And I'm just going to cover these briefly. But we talk about growing in wisdom. The child, or Jesus, grew in wisdom. Notice it doesn't say IQ or knowledge. We put a premium on that today. We want our kids to be smart. We want them to, to know a lot of things. We don't like to be known of people that your, my IQ is less than yours. But he uses this word wisdom 
And wisdom is more than just knowing something. It is knowing the right application and the right perspective. We've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, and it talks about the difference between, and there is a stark difference, between the, the wisdom of the world, this world, the age, and the wisdom of God. Most everything we see on television and our educational system, entertainment, uh, all of the social media is, is really what we call life without God. Life without God or, or, or God being the centerpiece. He's not involved in that. But you notice this, that God is looking for wisdom in your children. And the way that you're going to help them understand what that is is by living that life yourself. Growing in wisdom. Now, how do you do that? We all need more of it. James says you ask for it. You ask for it. That God would give you wisdom. He talks about the fear of the Lord or the reverent respect for God. In other words, you respect him as being the center of your life, the focal point, the true north of your life. And when you do that, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you notice these disciples that literally turned the world upside down later on, they were not, for the most part, professional people. They weren't the most intellectual of their day, but they were the wisest ones of their day. And I think that as parents, when we, we get caught up in the competition of our popular culture. We just do. It's, it's inescapable. Popular culture is powerful, and it will tend to shape your kids. You think how much time they spend on their devices and in their schools and around their friends? They begin to shape their value system. So I believe not only living a good example, it's almost like a war as a parent to make sure they are, they're hearing what God says. So they understand as they look at life because they, they live in the same world with all the same junk as everyone else, but they need to know how to interpret that, how to apply what is right, how to respond when things are going wrong. And so Jesus grew in this area. And my prayer is this, that we would be like what, what Paul says to Timothy, study to show yourself approved to God. In other words, be diligent in your study, in your work. So to teach them wisdom, we are growing in wisdom, walking in wisdom, but we are also teaching them wisdom. And then it says growing in stature. Now, this is the thing we notice first. Uh, when I see these kids, you know, those the angels, you know, these angels are up here in Mary, and I'm thinking, I remember, I remember when they're like that big. And it's like, wow. And it's like overnight. Now, how do they grow in stature? Well, you feed them. <laughs> and um, they're taking in nourishment. And when you think about you know, we, we get the body we get. You're, you're born, and of course, every baby is the most beautiful baby I've ever seen. Um, and, you know, it's like, you said that about the last one. Oh, I say, but this one is just a, a beautiful child. And, and uh, as we grow older, we think, well, you know, I wish I were a little taller, or I wish I was a little stronger, I wish I were a little better looking, I wish I, you know, time goes on, I wish I had a little more hair. Um, you know, you have the body, 
that God has given you by on purpose. This isn't like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, God has given you this body. And I think it's very important for young people, maybe one of the most important things that young people grow up understanding about this body. It belongs to God. It's not yours. God created you. And, of course, we, we read this in the Scripture. You're, you know, the Lord is telling us your body is the temple of God. In other words, if, if Christ is living in you, if you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, He is taking up residence in your life in the form of the Holy Spirit, who's with you always. And this body, this temporal body, is the place that you do ministry and service and worship and everything we do. But it belongs to God. So, so what you eat, what you drink, how you treat this body uh, is very important. And I think that, that that's something that, that, again, popular culture has twisted. It'll take an element of truth and begin to twist that. It's not my strength, because you think, well, if I'm going to have a body, I want to be the strongest one, <laughs> uh, the, the, the best looking one, and have the most natural abilities. Don't you kind of wish for that? We all do say, I want to be the best looking, I'd be really strong, and I just got natural talent. God didn't make us all that way. You realize this, that this body is uh, affected by sin. Now, when you're little, you don't notice that as much. But as you start to get older, you realize that your body is, is, is getting older. This year, it's older than it was last year, and you're feeling it. And some of you, you young people, do you ever hear your parents talking about, oh, my knee is really bothering me, or my, my neck is really, my back is really, you, you, your kids hear that? Do you hear your parents and your grandparents even talking like that? I got something to share with you. Your day's coming. I still remember thinking about, man, all these old people, just talk, they're always talking about, i got to go to the hospital for this, i got to get my, gotta fix this, and i got to get my glasses for this. I'm thinking, well, why? It's because as time marches on, we get older and older and older and older, and then we die. The body goes in the grave. We were having this conversation, I think, last Sunday and, and back in the foyer. You know, what happens? What happens? You know, you get, you, you're born as like this perfect body, and it gets older and older and older and older, and, and you start creaking when you walk. And, um, and the kids are saying, oh, keep up with us, keep up with us. And what happens to me is my, my boys, what they say to me now, if we go camping, they go, dad, 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 don't, 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 we got it, we got it, we got it. <laughs> I mean, that, that does a lot for your self-esteem. But this body grows old and it dies, and it goes into the ground. Or people have asked me before, what about being cremated? Well, I, I don't like the thought of it right now. Um, I don't, but I'll tell you what, I don't like the thought of being buried in a box in the ground. Um, but it really doesn't matter because it's going to dust. And you say, well, what's God going to do if someone, they scattered their ashes in the ocean? Well, God's not going to have a problem bringing all that back together. So what happens is we have this body. It's temporary. It's temporary. Isn't that exciting? It's temporary. And when we die, our body goes in the ground. 
But the scriptures tell us, and Paul says this, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So the, mom the moment you take your last breath, the next breath is in the presence of God. If you're a believer, if, you, if you've put your faith in Christ as your Savior. Immediately. Now we're not really clear about what form of body we'll have then, but we do know this, that when the, at the last day, when the trumpet sounds, he says when he, all the world has heard the gospel and had an opportunity to believe or to reject, he says he, was, he is going to raise up our bodies out of the ground or in the ocean or wherever the, the ashes were scattered and will be given a new body that does not have any flaws and lasts, get this, forever. Is that cool or what? And I know it's a little scary. Um, you think, well, what am I going to look like? What, do, what am I going to look like? I can tell you, better. <laughs> better than you're looking now. <laughs> 